right. Let me know if I need to move or something. Okay. I wanted it on the whole time. And now I will fulfill the desires of my heart. This one? Do you want it on is the question. You do? Somebody didn't want the lights on. Whatever you did, don't do it. No, the lights are fine. It's the microphone in front of the... In front of the speaker? Okay, next time I'll try to flip it. All right. So we're all awake now. Sorry. We'll, we'll pray against deafness later. That was right in my ear, too. I literally can't hear right now out of this ear. Okay. Hi. Good evening. Good to see everybody. So I'm going to tell you a little story oh, about three bears. No bears. Um, story about revival involving all of us. Um, so God first started talking to me about revival 21 years ago. And I think it was actually 21 years ago this week. Could have been last week. I'd have to, I'd have to ask my mom because she would know. Um, 21 years ago, we were on a little family trip to a cabin in Wisconsin, Grantsburg, Wisconsin, where I later pastored, um, not ironically. Um, and I, I was praying, and it, it was just a, like a, let's go up to our friend's place for a week and just chill out by the lake. Um, and then it turned into like a spiritual retreat, which I had never done. I was 17 years old. I had never done that sort of thing. But as soon as we got there, both my brother and I, my younger brother, Matt, who some of you know, um, we just started reading all these books and reading all this scripture and having a couple discussions, but mostly by ourselves, doing a lot of reading and praying. And it just turned into this really like Holy Spirit like time where we just couldn't read and pray enough. It was like, it was very interesting. I had never experienced anything like that before. And so we're praying, and uh, I'm out by the lake praying, and God spoke to me, which he's, hap- which he's done before. Um, but this was a little stronger. I got the, like, I don't get goosebumps. Um, but it's like the goosebumps sometimes when you feel like God speaks to you, where it's like, I'm trying to make a point right now, pay attention, you know? Um, and so I was like, okay. And he's like, so I'm calling you to help lead a great revival in the Twin Cities. That's going to happen. And I said, cool. That sounds like fun. Not knowing what that meant, really, other than that it sounded good. And I had just been, like, doing one of those, like, personal altar call moments where you're like, God, I really give you everything for real this time. And, and like, you know, those, those moments where you have those holy moments with God where you're like, recommitting your life and your heart and like because you can only give God whatever percentage of your heart is available to you at any given moment and so you may say well I gave all my heart to God two years ago why am I feeling that the Holy Spirit wants me to do that again well two years ago you had access to like 18% of your heart the rest of it was blocked off by other stuff now you have access to 29% of your heart and so there's 11 more percent of your heart you can give to the Lord and he wants it was that too much math Okay, but you know what I'm saying, right? At any given time, you only have access to as much of your heart as you have access to. And that's as much as you can give to the Lord. 
And so that's why we have those moments. It's not like, but I've gone, <laughs> like I had a friend who's like, I get saved like every other year. And what he meant was he gets that like, ooh, I got to go up for an altar call. And he gives his life to God. And it's not that he wasn't saved those previous times, but each time he responds to something new that the Lord is doing in his life, as we should all respond to, because we all have those times. So if you ever feel like, like the Lord wants you to do something like that, don't be like, no, that's some weird condemnation thing from the enemy trying to tell me that I haven't given God my life, because maybe God just wants it again or wants it more or wants you to remember that you gave him your life or whatever. So I had just done one of those. Um, it was pretty. There was a lake, and it was sunset and all this like cool stuff. I'm an outdoors person, and so God often like does cool stuff to me through nature. Um, and so he's like, there's going to be this great revival in the Twin Cities, and I want you to help lead it. And I said, cool. And he's like, no, 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 no. I need you to, like, sign a contract. And I actually saw a picture of, like, a contract. I couldn't, like, read the words. I kind of like to go back and read that fine print now. But um, <laughs> it was like a cartoon contract that's, like, scribble, scribble, and then, like, a gold seal and a line that says sign. You know what I mean? Uh, it was very cartoony, and there's, like, a, a, there's like an old-school calligraphy pen. Um, and I see this picture in my head of that, like, in my mind's eye, not, like, with my eyes. But, um, and he's like, I need you to, s to say, yes, I want to do this because there's, th there's going to be consequences to this. And I was like, that's interesting. And I didn't understand it at the time, but later I understood that sometimes God makes certain covenants with us that require more of our free will so that later on when things get hard, he can be like, okay, you signed up for this, so you got to stick to it, like in a gentle sort of way. Um, not as a mean lawyer, but like as God who likes to remind us of things. And so I was like, yes, I'm in totally. Whatever the cost, I will pay any price. I, I don't care. I want, I want to see the world saved, and I want to see all this stuff. So I signed this contract in my head, and I'm all like, yay, there's going to be a revival now. So my senior year in high school started, and I was fully expecting like to walk in the door and everyone to fall down and confess their sins before the Lord, which didn't happen. Um, However, um, a lot of stuff did. And this was true over the next 20 years of my life. Uh, I didn't realize at that time that sometimes God tells you things. Usually God only speaks about the next step. Paul mentioned this last week. Usually God only speaks about the next step, maybe the next two steps of your life. He very seldom speaks about way down the road. When he does, it's because you've got a lot of stuff to do between now and then. Usually it's in you. God knew he needed 21 years to get me ready for what I wanted to do. Paul only needed a year, so, so that tells you some of the difference between us. But uh, God needed 21 years to get me ready for what he wanted to do. And so, but we did experience awesome stuff at Concordia Academy that year. You know, I started the first student Bible study, and we had a, we had Christian, a Christian dance, which had never happened there. And so there was a lot of cool stuff, um, and then it led to cool stuff later on. Then I went to college. And again, I was expecting, you know, mass revival, and we experienced a lot of stuff that we didn't fill up the stadium with people like I sort of had in my mind that would happen, which I think will happen someday. But what we did have was awesome. We had, we had college students coming together every single day to pray, to pray for each other and pray for revival. When you have people coming together every single day to pray for revival, that is revival. Okay, because people are giving up their free time to pray every single day. And I found out uh, several months ago that that's still happening. Like, I started that, like, 
18 years ago, and I guess they still get together every day to pray. Not the same people, because I'm not there. So obviously not all the same people. But that, so God is, has been doing stuff all along, but this, the big picture thing he was talking about, kind of my life calling, was still, still to come. And um, when you have something that you feel like is from the Lord or really want to be from God, and it's not happening, that can create a little unpleasantness in your soul. God, I really want this, and it's not happening. What's going on? Did you forget about me? Well, am I doing something wrong? Am I a filthy, stinking sinner, and it'll never happen? Have I ruined my life? Am I off the plan? Ah, ah, and you start kind of freaking out. Um, and that is evidence that you've stopped looking at God and started looking at you. When you start freaking out like that, we've all been there. Okay, I'm not judging myself or you. And so I, I did that, you know, off and on, but the Lord always got me through. Um, and so a lot of revival stuff going on, a lot of mission trips, but not the big thing. Continue praying for the big thing year after year after year after year after year. There are a few points where I'm like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. Maybe not. But I'm going to keep praying about it anyway because what else do I got to do? Um, so I kept praying about it, praying about it. The Lord would occasionally say something to me about it, but not very often. And then right after my wife and I were in Japan for three and a half years, right after we moved back, which would have been two and a half years ago, Almost right away, within a month after getting back to the Twin Cities, God was like, keep praying because the date is almost set for revival. And it was one of those, like, I was startled out of worship. I was at a worship thing with a bunch of pastors, and he, like, said this to me. I wasn't like, Lord, give me a word. He was just like, ah. He was probably trying to talk to me for a while, and I hadn't been listening. That's just the thought. Um, but he said that. Keep praying. The date is almost set for revival. And I was like, okay. So I kept praying. I started praying more. I repented for having not really been praying all that much lately about it, even though he had told me to. Um, and then February of the following year, so this would be February of last year, year and a half ago, God again surprised me. I was writing an email to someone encouraging them about something totally unrelated. And God's like, it's done. The date is set. Like it's on the calendar. And I saw a picture of God's calendar and there was a circle. I didn't see the day. Urgh. I should have asked for more clarity. I actually did, but he didn't give it. Um, he didn't want me to know, probably. Uh, so he's like, it's done. Like, the data set, revival will happen. It's on God's calendar. I can't do anything more to make it occur, nor can I stop it. Uh, and I was like, well, this is awesome. Like, when you've really been wanting something for 20 years, and then you're like, is this actually going to happen? Is, like, the purpose of my life about to be fulfilled? You, you start saying, like, do I actually believe it? Like, I believe it, but, like, do I really believe it? It's like that guy who went to Jesus to get his daughter healed. And Jesus is like, do you believe I can do this? Heal your daughter? And he's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's both. It's both. Amen. We always have both. Don't, be, don't feel condemned if you have a little bit of unbelief here and there. Okay, everybody does. Um, God gets rid of that over time. And so I'm like, do I really believe this, that God's going to do this and be faithful to fulfill what he said he was going to do? And I'm like, I better check with a couple trusted mentors. Um, I chose to check with someone who I had done ministry with for many years, who was the president of my seminary, and my wife's uncle, and that's Paul Anderson. And I emailed him, both because I often would email him with random questions or ask for wisdom, but also because I know that he hasn't been someone who's been praying for revival for 20 years. And so because I knew he wasn't in that school, I wanted to ask him what he thought. Because... As I thought and prayed about it, I was like, 
I need to be careful because that word could be what I wanted to hear. Whenever you're really, pause, whenever you're really emotionally invested in something, it can be difficult to discern whether or not it's actually the word of the Lord because you really want it to be. If, if, if I had 10 bucks for every time a guy told me that God said I'm supposed to marry this girl, I'd be so rich. Like, there are guys who've said that to me about five different girls, okay? And, and it's like, it's not that God doesn't speak about romance. It's that he really wanted God to say, I want you to marry that girl. And so he prayed about it and went, I feel super happy. So that must be it. Yay! You know. Um, and so sometimes when we're really emotionally invested in something, positive or negative, it can be hard to discern God's voice because our emotions can be really loud. Does that make sense at all? And so I knew this was something I really wanted. I, I really wanted to hear that word. And so I'm like, I need to test it. I need to ask a few people what they think. Um, so I talked to my mom, who is one of my spiritual mentors, Paul, a couple other people, my best friend out in California. And so I said, Paul, are you hearing anything about revival these days, about imminent revival? I, I got a word from the Lord. I just want to test it out. And he's like, we need to meet. If you've ever gotten emails from Paul Anderson, uh, you know that they tend to be short to the point and leaving a lot of mystery. And and so I, 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 I sent him an email, right? And he sends me, we need to meet. Ominous, you know? And I'm like, okay. And so we meet up, and he doesn't say anything. He's like, tell me what you've heard. And I told him basically all the stuff I just told you now. And I said, so I don't know, what do you think? And he's like, I heard the same thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, because I knew he hasn't been somebody who's been into that. Now, he didn't hear the exact same words, like the date is set but he had been hearing God talking to him about revival, and he's shared a lot about that. Um, and so here we are, we're like, okay, well, God is telling us both that like, revival's coming soon and that we're supposed to be a part of it. And so I feel like we should like, hang out and like, pray together about this and like, plan this and strategize this because it's clearly not a coincidence, right? And so we started doing that like once or twice a week, getting together, and then we brought some other pastors together to start praying with us, and we've been doing a lot of stuff now um, since last February. Um, and then May, the end of May came around, and I was like, you know, maybe I should start coming to Communitas, and maybe I should start getting involved with the ministry that's going on here, because we believe that not only was revival coming to the Twin Cities, but that it was coming here, like to this house, to these ministries that take place here. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, let's, I'll, I'll start hanging out here. So I started hanging out here. Some of you were there uh, at the end of May um, of last year, and then by the end of July, it was pretty clear that uh, God, God was saying, I need you to reposition yourself because I had a job. I had a pastor job in, in Wisconsin, um, which actually paid money, which was brilliant. And uh, yes, Grantsburg, Wisconsin. And uh, the Lord's like, I want you to reposition yourself back to the Twin Cities so that you're ready for what's coming next. And I'm like, okay. So I quit my job, took that step of faith. Uh, anybody ever quit a job that paid money to take a job that didn't? It's pretty awesome, actually. The bigger the faith step, the bigger the reward. Always true. Always true. If God is calling you to do something that's scary, if God's calling you to do something that takes a lot of faith, the more faith it takes, the better. So just keep that in the back of your brain, too. This is the front, but keep it back there. Uh, so I quit. I came here, and I've been here for a year. So what's happened now? We've been talking about revival for a year. What, what's been going on? Well, uh, bef during that time, uh, during May, actually, Paul had gotten the word that from the Lord that he, revival was going to start in June. That June. It's going to start in June. 
So we're like, sweet. So we kept praying that through. We're like, it's going to start in June. And June continued, and we didn't see a whole lot happening. And we're like, okay, did we miss that one? Or, or what, you know? And then God gave me a vision, and we played, prayed about it with a bunch of people, and they're like, that's right on. Um, and the vision was this. God, being the master gardener, often in scripture, God came down and he planted a seed in the ground. And that seed sprouted a tiny little sprout. Like, I don't know, it was like an inch and a half, two inches tall. Just a little sprout coming out of that seed. It was a seed of revival. And God's like, I planted this at the beginning of June. Now it's this tiny little plant. So little that if it was in the grass, you wouldn't see it. Okay? Insignificant looking. And then the vision flipped from like top view to cross-section view. Remember that from school days? You see a cross-section of the earth. And I could see the, the roots coming down from this little plant. And the plant was tiny, but the root system was massive, like ridiculously massive, redonkulous. If you've ever seen a cross-section of bamboo, it's kind of like that. Um, and so these roots are just like everywhere, and they're going out, and they're going down. It's this tiny, tiny little thing on top, and this ridiculously massive, thick roots all over the place. And they keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And way down under the ground, I don't know, like 12 feet or 20 feet, something ridiculously far. Under the ground, there was a bunch of water. I don't know if it was a lake or maybe a river, I think. Um, this underground water. And as soon as the roots hit the water, that sprout shot up out of the ground. And it turned into a whole grove of trees, like a forest of trees, fruit trees, in like 20 seconds. So it like exploded from this to huge and bore fruit immediately in like 20 seconds. But it didn't do, it mo it didn't do hardly anything while the roots were going down. And God said, I planted the seed in June like I said I would. I fulfilled that word that I said I was going to do. And right now, the reason you're not seeing a lot of stuff happening is because everything I'm doing is under the surface. It's all in the spirit. It's all stuff you can't see yet. Um, and I was like, okay. I thought that was a pretty cool word. It was encouraging. Being super, super patient, um, I've been totally fine with not seeing anything for the last year. That's, that's a lie. I'm not very patient. And so the Lord has been having to remind me of that word regularly and say, hey, it's happening, dude. It's happening. Now, what's fun for me is it's June. It's a year later. So it's been a year. Let's talk about the state of revival. What's going on? Well, what's cool to me is that it's not a little plant anymore. It's a little bit bigger. It hasn't burst into a giant grove of trees, but there is actually a lot going on. There's actually a lot of evidence that revival is well underway. And so I wanted to talk a little, about, little bit about this this morning. One of the evidences revival is underway is that more and more of us are getting set on fire for God. Some of us were really on fire for God when we were maybe first saved or when we were young Christians or something like that. We had a ton of passion and a ton of fire, and we would do anything, and we would walk on water, and we would go to a crazy country to be murdered, you know, for the sake of the gospel. And then over the years, things just sort of, the fire dies down. Okay, the fire dies down if it's not actively stoked and re-wooded in whatever metaphors you want to use for fire. Okay, uh, and sometimes that happens. And so for some of us, it's been turning that fire back up. And for some of us, it's been maybe we never were all that on fire, and now people are on fire. And others are like, I'm not quite there yet, but something's happening. Something's happening. There's hunger in me for God that wasn't there before. And hunger is the first sign that God is doing something. Because he, when God wants to give us something, he makes us really hungry for it so that we will ask him for it a lot so that he can give it to us. 
Okay, little babies get whatever they need. They don't have to ask, right? We're not little babies in the spirit anymore. We're at least toddlers, okay, in the spirit. And so when we want something or need something, God needs us to ask for it. That's all throughout the Bible whenever Jesus talks about prayer and stuff. We need to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, right? Luke chapter 11. And so um, when he wants to give us something, he needs us to ask. And so in order to get us to ask and ask and ask so that he can give us what he wants to give us, he gives us a desire for that thing. Everybody following me? Getting a few blank stares. Okay. And that desire, that hunger, doesn't start off as a burning desire. A lot of people right now, a lot of us and a lot of other people in the Twin Cities, we have a burning desire to see God move and to change lives and to save souls and to bring back lost people who were Christians and are now doing who knows what and to see miracles and we have all this passion. But the passion doesn't start that hot. The fire doesn't start that big. It starts small. It usually starts with just a tiny, tiny little desire like, yeah, it would be cool to get to know God better, I guess. That would be cool. And that's the beginning. And that's something God gives you. That's a grace thing. Okay, we don't make that up. That's something God gives you. He gives you that tiny desire. And if you will do your part to use that tiny desire to start asking for more, he'll turn that desire into a burning hunger that will not be quenched until you get what it is you seek. Just like the guy in Luke 11. He came to, the, to his friend to ask for bread. Because he needed bread, because he had all these guests coming. And so he kept knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. The guy's like, go away. No, you're stupid. You're a jerk. I hate you. You're ruining my life and my family. He's like, go away, go away. And the guy's like, I'm never going away. Give me the stinking bread. The guy's like, fine. I hate you so much. Here's your bread. See you tomorrow. Okay. Um, and Jesus says, that's how you got to be. Annoying as crap. Be as annoying as you possibly can to God in asking for what it is that you want him to give you. That's how Jesus says we need to pray. Pray annoyingly, impudently, it says, which means like audacious and inappropriately rude and, and all that kind of stuff is what that word that Jesus uses. It's nowhere else in the whole Bible. That's how we're supposed to pray. Pray until you annoy the crap out of God so he has to give it to you. Now, pause. God isn't actually like that, okay? Jesus uses a negative metaphor there for God because we sometimes feel like that's the way God is. We feel like he's unwilling to give us the bread. We feel like he has all these excuses why he won't give us the bread. But that's not actually how he is. It's just how we see him. And so that's why Jesus uses that metaphor. In actuality, Jesus is like, I got the bread. You got to ask 25 more times. Come on. Come on. I got it. I got it right here. It's hot. It's awesome. It's ready. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. Why do we have to keep asking? Why do we have to ask so many times? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't. Other than to say, the more we have to ask and the more persistent we have to be, the more faith is required. And the more faith that's required, the better the outcome. And so sometimes what he wants to give us is so awesome that it requires a ton of faith. So we need to ask for a while. And maybe we need to fast. And maybe we need to call a bunch of other people to get them to start asking with us. And maybe we need to join a community of people who are all asking and all seeking and all knocking on that door and won't give up until God shows up. Okay? And so God gives us that desire to birth the hunger. And a lot of us are experiencing that desire or the hunger, or a lot of us are starting to get filled up already. A lot of us are on fire. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people here. I'm not going to embarrass you and point you out. But, um, like, there's a lot of people who are like, compared to a year ago, I feel a lot closer to God. 
Compared to a year ago, I feel more on fire. Compared to a year ago, I have more like, yeah, let's, God's going to do it. It's going to be awesome. Last year, I was super depressed. Last year was this. Last year was that. This year, it's different. So things have flipped for some people. For other people, it hasn't quite flipped yet. And maybe it's still really difficult and really frustrating. But it will. <laughs> It'll flip <laughs> for you soon. Um, and that's one of the things we're going to pray about later tonight. So one of the evidences for revival is that a lot of people are getting that hunger. A lot of people are getting their hearts set on fire for God. So revival is already happening in individuals. You're, you're in revival. You're in revival. You're in revival. Okay? Different people are already in revival in their own life. And that's, that's an important sign. Another one is we're experiencing an increasing sense of the presence of God. Now, the presence of God is always with you because God lives here. Right? So that's one type of the presence of God. He's always in here. Another type is whenever two or three are gathered, I am with you. That's another type of the presence of God. The type I'm talking about is what theologians call the manifest presence of God. Manifest is a Latin word meaning touchable. The touchable presence of God. It's that presence of God that you can sort of feel a little bit. I feel it in here. I don't know about you, but when the presence of God shows up, I feel I have like a space in my physical body. I feel it right now, actually. I have a space in my physical body where I sense the, pres the manifest presence of God when he's around. I've talked to others who have that same thing and others who are like, nope. And others who are like, I get tingly. And others who are like, I hear humming. And others who are just different things, that's fine. Others just never feel it. A tangible physical feeling. And that's fine too. There's no, there's no like right or wrong. But that's what the manifest presence of God is. When you're like, God is really here. That, that prayer time was really good. I really felt like God touched me. That worship was really strong. I was really in the presence of God there. You know what I'm talking about? That has been increasing a lot over the last year. Compared to what it was a year ago, there, a year ago this was a place where a lot of people loved Jesus, and the presence of God was definitely here, but now I think the glory of God is starting to be here. And the glory of God is, in Scripture, that thing that follows the king. Wherever the king is, is his glory, his majesty. And so that means Jesus is here in a greater way than he was before. And I know this is all confusing, because isn't God everywhere, and isn't he always right here? Yes, yes, yes. There's multiple types of presence of God and ways in which God is here. Um, and when the king shows up, you, you, you sense it. You feel that majesty. You feel, you, it's easy to, easier to get into worship, for example. You're just like, oh, boom, I'm there, man. Because God showed up. You can't not worship him. Even angels who are in the presence of God. So they get like, they soak up a lot of the glory of God. And then when angels go down to talk to people in the Bible, what do people always do when an angel shows up? Boom. Down on their face, either because they can't stand up or because they're freaking terrified. Because there's so much glory and power and holiness and awesomeness. And that's sometimes what it's like in worship. And so we're experiencing more and more of the glory of God um, uh, since Easter in particular, there was a lot of spiritual warfare prior to Easter. We, we, for those of you who remember, we, a lot of us were fasting, and we did a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of prayer. We did spiritual warfare during our worship times. Um, and I feel like after Easter, a switch flipped for us. We, we broke through something, some sort of barrier or something. I don't know. Um, we'll find out someday in heaven. Um, all we can do now is listen and say yes, sir, and do what he says, right? And so we broke through something, and, and I, I have definitely felt like there's a more tangible sense of the presence of God since Easter. Um, and that's awesome. So that's a sign that it's starting, that things are happening, because the glory of God is increasing, and that's good. Um, another sign is there's an increasing experience of the prophetic gifts here. The spiritual gifts, I think, and you, you can break spiritual gifts into two categories. There's the supernatural gifts, 
Miracles, healing, signs and wonders, faith, that kind of stuff. Supernatural gifts. And then the rest of the gifts of the Spirit are the prophetic. Prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discernment. Okay? Remember those, 1 Corinthians 12? So there's kind of two main categories of those, and they operate very differently. And they, they uh, that's not a sermon for today. Okay, so there's two categories. Um, the supernatural stuff we have not been experiencing. Nobody has. Very, very little. Very, very little. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the other side, the prophetic gifts, the other half, we've been experiencing those a ton. And it's been increasing a lot. People are hearing the voice of God more. And they're sensing him more. And they're, they're feeling like God's talking to them. They're, they're getting words for other people. A few weeks ago, a lot of you were here. Um, we had a night where we just said, all right, everybody listen to God. Write stuff down. Now, who's got a word for somebody else here or for the group that they want to share? Which, it takes a lot of faith to step out and share a public word if you've not really done that much. We had nine different people get up and share a public prophetic word. Nine different people. I have never in my entire life been in a church service where nine different people got up and prophesied. And I've been to some really charismatic churches, some super prophetic type churches. And I've never in my life been in a church service where nine different people got up and gave accurate prophetic words, most of which were for individual other people. Some of them were for people who weren't even here. That's huge. That's actually a really big deal. And there's only 20 of us here that night, so that's half. <laughs> half the room. Never been in a church service like that. I've seen it at a conference, like a prophetic conference, where it's like, I'm a prophet, like with a big P, and this is what I do. And I've done it for 40 years. Sure, at those kind of places you see a lot of people prophesy, but I've never been in a church service where that many people did it in my life. And four of us had done it quite a few times. You and I and Karen and Tad have, have done it quite a bit. But most of the others who did it, they've done it for maybe a couple of years or maybe a couple of weeks. Not that much. That takes a lot more faith to get up and do that. That's huge. And overall, there were th over 30 different words because most people had multiple things. 30 prophetic words. And we listened for like tw six minutes, seven minutes. We didn't even listen that long to the Lord. So that's a lot. So the prophetic gifts are exploded. Never been in a service where there were 30 prophecies. Ever. My whole life. Okay, that's a ton. And so although we're not seeing the supernatural stuff, we shouldn't be like, ugh, revival isn't here because people aren't getting healed. Okay? Because the other half of the, of, the, of the spiritual gifts is the prophetic stuff. And that's increasing like crazy. And so we should go with that because that's what God's doing right now. So keep listening to God. Keep asking him to help you hear him better and to speak to you more. Keep praying for words for your friends. Words with friends is a fun app. Words for friends is way better. So you know what I do? And some, some of you know I do this because I've sent you Facebook messages. I'll go through my Facebook friends, and I'll just start praying for them. and be like, got one, got one for you, and I'll send you little Facebook things. Some of you have got those from me. <laughs> Levi's like, I like them. Um, and that's what I do. And the other day I went through my Facebook friends, and I got like 30 words for people. I've never done that before in my life. Never in my life have I done that. And I'm not saying that like, that makes me awesome. I'm just saying that's cool. God is doing stuff, so let's go with what God's doing. So there's a lot of evidence and a lot of reason why it's like, yes, the revival is happening. It's going. So what remains? What do we expect to happen? Well, we expect an increase of what we've been seeing, an increase in the sense of the presence of God being here, an increase in worship really taking us into the presence of God and experiencing his glory and all that kind of stuff. We expect that to increase. I expect an increase in the prophetic stuff. And again, with all of this, it involves us cooperating with him because God wants to do everything in partnership with us, remember? In order to give us what he wants to give us, we have to ask, right? So in order to do what he wants to do, we need to continue to partner with him and say, okay, God, what do you want to do? How can I help? You're doing this? Great, let's do it. Um, we're going to see an increase in all that. 
I think we can expect to see the other half of the spiritual gifts start to happen, the supernatural stuff. We can expect to see that starting to happen. And this would be a whole sermon too, so I'll do it in 60 seconds. But there's a reason we're not seeing supernatural stuff. It's not because God the Holy Spirit no longer wants to do it, or he's judged America and found us wanting, or we're too sinful or any of that. Um, Bless you. Bless you again. So we believe that revival is coming and it's going to be huge. So that's like a big wave. A big wave of the Spirit is coming. Before a wave comes, there has to be an ebb. You know, like ebb and wave and ebb and wave, how that works in the ocean. Before a wave, there's an ebb. Before a massive wave of the Holy Spirit, there has to be a massive ebb. It's just how waves work. Okay? And so if we say in the very near future there's going to be a ridiculously colossal wave of the Holy Spirit, we would expect to right now be in a period where we were in a massive web of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ebb, sorry, of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because that's how waves work. And so that is, in fact, the situation. It's been the situation for about 20 years. It's like a trickle. There's a drop of supernatural stuff, that kind of miraculous stuff going on. It happens in America. I'm talking about America. Um, it happens, but it's rare. You read the Bible, and you're like, it, it, my life looks nothing like that. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed somebody. Everywhere. He's always casting out demons. The apostles' shadow fell on somebody, and they got healed. What? Crazy. And so we, we read the New Testament, and it can get disillusioning. It can get frustrating. It can get confusing when we read that, because that's not what we see. And most of us, for most of us, 20 years is most of our, like, cognitive life, right? <laughs> so a lot of you have never seen the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about revival. You've never seen a, a, a lady who had a goiter on her neck this big and God heals it and, the, and it's gone. I saw that. You've never seen a guy who was crippled and his back was bent over like this and his spine was all nasty. And you pray for him and God straightens up his back and he's like this tall. You've never seen that because that stuff has hardly happened at all over the last 20 years. I've seen it because I'm old. Okay? Um, that's the kind of stuff that's coming and even greater than that. But So this period can be difficult because when we want that, when God's given us that desire and it's birthed a hunger in us and we want to see it, it, it can end up leaving people disillusioned and discouraged even. Like, well, it's not happening, so either God the Holy Spirit no longer wants to do that or he doesn't like me or blah, blah, blah. And so what many people do is they just stop praying for it. They stop praying for people to be healed because God never heals people, right? And so that compounds the problem. Because if you don't pray for someone to be healed, they won't be, period. If you look at the New Testament, nobody gets healed who wasn't prayed for, with those very few exceptions of crazy apostolic stuff, like Peter's shadow falling on someone and them getting healed. But that's an apostolic authority deal. He didn't pray for that guy specifically. It just happened. And that's revival stuff. I'm looking forward to that kind of thing happening. Everybody else who gets healed, it's because somebody prayed for them, because that's how it works. Okay, so if we stop praying, there will not be healing. Uh, but because people saw very little healing, they just stopped praying. And so that's the situation we're in right now. That's, an ebb, that's the ebb that we're in. And I think the reaction God wants us to have is when it's really dry, you get thirsty. And then you get really thirsty. And then you get desperate. And I think that's what he wants us to do. I think that's where he wants us to be, that hunger, that desperation for more of him. And a faith to say, I, I believe it's coming because it's in the word of God. All over the place, God, it's here. You can do it. You can do it again. And to not 
get all negative about it because it's just a season and it's just the way things are. Before a massive wave, there has to be an ebb. That happens to be the time we live in. But we also get to live in the massive wave. So it's going to be worth it, I promise. Um, that was more than 60 seconds. Uh, so another thing that's going to happen is the fire is going to spread probably among believers first. Um, that's typically what's happened in revival. So we'll see more and more Christians get set on fire for God here and in other places. Um, and that's already happening in places in the cities. More and more people are starting to be like, I feel like the re there's a revival coming. I feel like God's on the move. I feel like big things are going to happen. And people are starting to gather more to pray. Things like Love Twin Cities are becoming bigger and more successful than they were just a few years ago. It looks more like it did 20 years ago when I was in college, where there were prayer gatherings of tens of thousands of people. And now it's like 40 is actually a great prayer gathering, okay, because that's an ebb. That's what it looks like. But things are starting to grow. Things are starting to get better. And we can expect that to grow and get uh, more, to increase even more. And then I think eventually we're going to see the lost come to Jesus. And they're going to come in droves. And I, I, I think we're going to see at least 2 million people saved in Minnesota and Wisconsin. At least 2 million. And we're going to see a lot of Christians get revived, which means to come to life again in their faith, um, which is going to be awesome. I think worldwide we're talking a billion with a B, people saved. It might be. I think that 50 years from now, there will have been at least a billion people slaved, uh, saved and that Islam will be almost completely dead. Islam will be a religion like Zoroastrianism. Anybody know what that is? I thought not. It'll be a historical religion that very few people follow anymore. That's what I think. And if you don't believe that, I don't mind. <laughs> that's just, that's my conviction. God, because I think this is big. I think this is the big one. I think what we are in the beginning stages of right now is nothing shy of the greatest outpouring of God's power and presence since creation itself. I think that since God created the world, he's been looking forward to this time that we get to live in. How awesome is that? That's way awesome. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. But remember that I told you. I'm not going to say I told you something. Well, I might. Because I'm not, I'm I'm not as sanctified as Paul, um, so I might. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. So what do we do? What do we do now? We keep pressing in. We keep fanning those flames. If we have a hunger, we go for it. We keep asking God. When there, where there's a flame, we blow on it. We ask for more wood. We ask for gasoline. Whatever it is, to seek after God. And I think we need to pray, like we've never prayed in our lives. Because when big things happen, the more you prepared you are, the better. The more God can use you, right? The more God can partner with you to do amazing stuff. Um, if when revival comes, you're still neck deep in a whole bunch of nasty sin and you're hardly healed of all this other stuff and you haven't forgiven a bunch of people, God is going to love you like crazy if that's the state you're in when revival hits big. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God will still love you like crazy. And he will still help you to forgive and heal your heart and help you get out of that sin stuff. But that's going to take some time. And in the meantime, your grandparents and your sister and your best friend's brother and all those people might have been saved a little faster. That's all I'm saying. Okay? God's probably going to save them no matter what. I'm not saying that your mistakes are going to cause e cost eternity for someone else. I think that's a guilt trip thing, and I don't believe that's right. But I do think that it can affect timing for people. And I think it can affect timing for you. God will always get you back to plan A, even if you step off the path. But it might take a long time. 
You might have to go a circuitous route to get back to plan A. So the more you can humble yourself before the Lord now, the more you can repent now of the stuff that the Spirit convicts you of that you're like, yep, 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 I do need to repent of that. The more you can do that now, the more you can walk in that humility, the more you can pray and give your life to the Lord now and start to partner with him now and learn how to hear his voice now and start getting used to praying for people for healing now. The more you can do all that now, when things blow up like crazy, you're going to hit the ground running. And it's going to be nuts. Some of you are going to see like hundreds of thousands of people get saved. Like yourselves, you're going to see that in ministry. Like in your own ministry that you do, you're going to see that. Some of you are going to see people without limbs grow their limbs back. Okay? You're going to see crazy stuff. And you're going to see it sooner if you get right with God sooner. That only makes sense, right? And so I encourage us to, to keep pressing in to pray and, and to pray like we've never done before. So I'm, I'm not meaning this to be like some sort of emotional thing or a guilt trip, but I'm just thinking logically here now. If we can get our repentance done now, how much better is it going to be? And the sooner we do that, the better. And so I want to just spend the rest of the time just praying groups with each other. Um, I want to pray for healing because I think stepping into the supernatural is another thing that we need to be doing. We've been praying for healing here for, I don't know, eight, eight or nine months. Almost every week we pray for physical healing. I want to do that every single week, even though we're not seeing it yet because we will eventually see it. And when we pray for something that we haven't seen yet, that's, that is an exercise of faith, right? I'm not saying pray and expect it to not happen. I'm saying pray and expect it to happen. And even if you don't see it, pray again and expect it to happen. And even if you don't see it, do it again. Because it will eventually happen. And pretty soon, everybody's going to be healed. And pretty soon, people are going to be coming here all over the place being like, I got cancer and I heard everybody here gets healed. And we're going to be like, you're right. Come here. Healed. I think God's going to make this place and other places uh, places where cancer can't survive. Where cancer can't survive. Like people come in and by the end of worship, they're healed. Nobody even prayed for them. Because when the king of kings comes, that's what happens. I get worked up about this because I really want it. Okay. So let's pray. Let's just get into groups with each other. Pray. If, if somebody has physical healing, pray for that. Um, if you're like, I just need more of the fire. Or if you're like, I'm still back at the like tiny desire place. And I'd, I'd like that to move to at least hunger. And if you, if you don't want to share, that's okay. This is a safe place. We're not going to make you share, and nobody's going to judge you because we're all at different places, okay? Um, but let's, let's pray for each other um, for that fire to increase. Let's pray for the supernatural stuff. Everybody's got at least a friend who needs a miracle, who needs some healing. So let's pray for that. And pray for words for each other, that God will give you a word for someone, like right now. Something to share, something prophetic. Let's continue to step in. Let's agree with what God's already doing and start stepping into the things that we're not seeing yet, like the supernatural. So 